So at first it was, I can't do this, but, but I can buy a website. I can't do this, but, but I can research cities. I can't do this, but I can like email somebody and ask them how much housing costs in this city or, you know, put together a flyer or I can create a web page, just one page. It doesn't have to have, you know, embedded pages. So it just, it, it was a series of steps like that. Like I can't do this big thing, but I can do this little thing right here. Um, and that just turned into something um, that, you know, was a, a magic carpet that took us around the world for a year. This is Love Your Work, and I'm David Cadavy. I spent the past 10 years building my life and work around what I love. And on this show, I share what I'm learning along the way. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I'm a big advocate of travel, or more accurately, I'm a big advocate of mini lives, living in a different place for a month or more at a time. It's a great way to grow, and it just makes life more interesting. But travel isn't always easy. You have to find a place to live and work, and it can be more fun if you have others around to share the experience with. Libria Jones has made it easier for people to have the experience of living in different places, Last year, she organized a trip for her and more than 30 others to spend a year on the road. They lived in places like Prague, Cape Town, and my personal favorite, Medellin. Libria's company, Wanderist, is organizing another trip. In fact, there are two opportunities to come through Medellin, so hopefully some listeners are going to check it out. In this conversation with Libria, we're going to talk about how did she turn rejection into opportunity. She wasn't able to travel in other programs, so she made her own program. How does Libria travel even as a single mother? She has a refreshing point of view about seeing parenthood as a source of inspiration rather than as a limitation. And when you travel, you want to be safe. How does Libria think about traveling to places that others might see as dangerous? I'm really excited to have Brand Folder as a sponsor. I used to manage the brands at a couple of companies, and I can tell you it is really hard. One of the hardest parts is dealing with all of the digital assets to support your brand. Brandfolder provides a single source of truth for all things related to your brand. So your logos, your colors, your fonts, your brand guidelines, they're all in one place. Everyone on your team will know exactly which assets to use to keep your brand consistent. Discover the power of Brandfolder today by going to brandfolder.com slash loveyourwork to unlock the complete potential of all of your brand assets with a free 90-day trial. They take care of us. Let's take care of them. Go to brandfolder.com slash loveyourwork. And you might notice that the audio is a tad bit clearer right now. I got very lucky in that I won a new mixer from the folks at The Messengers. Now, The Messengers is a documentary about podcasting. So hello and thank you to all of you folks from The Messengers. If you happen to be listening to this podcast, this mixer here lets me connect my mic with better technology. So it's a little more clear. You might even notice a difference between the audio in this intro and the audio of my voice in the conversation with Libria. That's because the conversation was recorded before I received the mixer Or you might not notice at all, which would totally reinforce the popular idea that podcast listeners don't care about sound quality, which personally I'm pretty skeptical of. And I'm surprised how many messages I'm getting from you folks. Hello to B, who reached out on Facebook Messenger, and I got a lot of messages on Instagram. I'm surprised because I just do not use Instagram that much. So hello to Justin Phillips Art and Maxwell Rose. I love getting messages from you, but it's been a while since we had a new Love Your Work Elite member. Sometimes I wonder if I'm positioning it wrong. Like maybe you aren't especially excited about having your own custom RSS feed with bonus material. Maybe you aren't that excited about attending office hours and being able to ask me anything. Maybe you'd be more motivated to think of it as a donation. Maybe you just feel good to know that you're supporting nourishing and thoughtful media, especially in the age of distraction. So let's try that. Please donate to help keep the show free for everyone. I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this show. It takes a lot of time. It costs a lot of money, especially when I'm not winning equipment. I do sometimes think about scrapping it and starting something new, but I really do enjoy sharing these conversations with you. And there are several thousand of you who seem to enjoy listening to them. So please join Love Your Work Elite on Patreon. I know it might seem like a big commitment. Keep in mind, you can cancel any time. I appreciate any help you can give. Go to lywelite.com. That's lywelite.com. Here's Libria Jones. I'm 
I'm here with Libria Jones. I was really excited to have you on the show because I saw my wonder year and I live in Medellin and sometimes listeners are coming through Medellin and I have coffee with them or something and I, I love it when they come to town. And I saw that my wonder year is coming to Medellin um, as part of its trip. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about my wander year? Yeah. So the first thing I'll tell you is that we have rebranded to Wanderous Life. Um, Wanderous Life. I realize that that sounds different than it's spelled. That's W. Uh, you know, I saw that on the website. I <laughs> yeah. feel like such a bad host oh, now. No, that no, I no. It's, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. Everyone, everyone that's been talking to you in, in Medellin has said my wander year because that's what we were called on that trip. So um, our first year, our first, when we launched, it was just a one year, a one year experience. We always knew that we would evolve into different experiences and we wanted to change the name, but we didn't know what to, what to change it to yet. And so we just went with my Wander Year for now. Um, so Wander Year has now become one of the experiences under the Wanderous Life umbrella. We started the trip with 30, 33 people um, and we started in Czech Republic. We were there for three months. We left on July 31st of 2016. Um, we were in Czech Republic for three months and then we moved on to Chiang Mai, Thailand for three months and then to Cape Town, South Africa for three months and then we ended in Medellin. And our next trip is actually starting in Medellin. So our next one-year trip starts March 15th, but we do have a one-month uproot, which we, we call them uproots, our one-month experiences. So, you know, uproot from your day-to-day -day life and come and uh, live like a local in an in a unforgettable location for a month. And uh, the next one for Medellin is in May. Um, yeah, in May. And then we'll do probably do one in June because we like that city so much. And so how did Wanderist start? <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, I've been wanting to travel since I was 19 um, and got kind of got passed over for in, a broad internship, international internships in in college in my undergrad program. And then when I got to graduate school, I was handpicked by my finance professor to do an internship, a year long internship in China and was completely ecstatic about it. Um, I had a my daughter was four months old at the time. But her dad was, her dad's from Trinidad and he was very, very open to her traveling. And so he and I had worked it out where she would come with me for six months and then she would go back, come back to the U.S. with him for six months. But my school put a stop to that um, because they felt like it would be a liability. So I got disqualified from that internship. And fast forward a few years later, um, I tried to, uh, I was looking into moving into uh, the UAE, United Arab em Emirates, which is the Middle East, uh, with because I had some friends that lived over there and one was a single mom. So it was just, you know, looking for my tribe, right? Um, what I quickly found though, is that there, most of the jobs there for women are teacher positions and I'm a project manager. And it's interesting because I had never seen that before where, where job postings are literally asking very specifically for men. Uh, and, you know, that's not something that we're allowed to do in the United States, but it's a very different country. So um, that just didn't that didn't uh, pan out for me. And then I stumbled upon a program that took people on trips for a year and was like, yes, OK, finally, <laughs> finally, I get to do this um, because I'm running out of time. I was trying to get out of the country and live abroad for a year before my daughter started high school. And last year was my last chance. And um, quickly realized that I couldn't apply for that program because they don't accept people with children. Mm. And this so, is over the course of like 12, 13, 14 years or something <laughs> like that, you're just getting doors slammed in your face trying to get out of the country, basically. Exactly. Like. So, over and over again, it was like, you know, no, just no, just no, 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 here's why, no, here's why. And I just, mm. you know, I got sick of being told no. My daughter is not a liability to me. Um, and I should be able to design the life that I want. And so I thought, you know, here's my chance. Here's my chance to create a life that I, th that I want, that I envision. Um, and I'm willing to bet there's a bunch of people out there who think that they can't do it either, or think it's not available to them or think only rich people do stuff like this. And so here's my chance to do it for myself and open it up to them as well and prove to them that, yeah, you can do it. And here's your opportunity to do it. That's awesome. And I, I also really like how when your daughter was four months old, you were still willing to go abroad. And then as she was, I, I, when you were thinking about going to, uh, if I'm saying that right, UAE, um, 
then she was, I don't know, what, like nine or something like that? When we were going to head to the UAE, yeah, she would have been, she would have been eight or nine. She would have been probably about nine. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of parents will say, oh, well, I've, I've got a kid or I've got kids. That's it. End of story. I can't travel. How were you thinking about that? Nah. <laughs> so, you know, something that's funny, I, I actually, myself and, and one of my good friends who is a traveling mom, she and I actually started a group called Wandering Moms. Um, there's about 8,000 women in there who literally want to give their children the world. Um, we provide a lot of resources and, and support and encouragement and ideas and tips about traveling with your children. And um, one of the things that I just find interesting, my daughter and I were watching uh, The Voice one night, right? And oh, we had the set designer from The Voice on the show. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that yeah, show. Just a funny coincidence. Okay. <laughs> so she, we were watching The Voice, and you know, people talk about their story and how they decided to become singers. And quite often, you hear people say, "Well, my mother could sing. My mother wanted to be a singer, and then she had me, and she had to put her dream aside." And mm. my daughter and I one day looked at each other like, "What?" Why would you tell your kid that? Why are we telling our children that they're the reason we cannot do something? You know, you little dream crusher. (laughs) So Mm. for me, I don't see kids as a hindrance or as a liability or as a reason not to do anything. If, If anything, it's kind of my job to prove to my kid that she can do anything. I mean, we tell our children and we tell ourselves that you can do anything you want to do, right? So we got, we have to live that example. And I think we all have this false sense of, you know, children need stability. Um, but we've defined that stability as the typical American life. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, your kid's stability really comes from you. I don't care where you're going. You're there, right? So then it's stable. <laughs> and, and we don't realize or give our kids enough credit. They're way more resilient and adaptable than we are. Because if you think about it, Everything in their lives is decided by someone else. It's decided by you. And so every time you change that decision or every time you make a decision, they go with the flow. So I don't see that being any different when we're traveling. So I don't think children are, are something that should hinder you from doing it. Definitely makes it a little bit more interesting logistically um, and definitely financially as well. But it's, it's completely doable. Completely wow. doable. So that was awesome that you just made it happen for yourself. And not only did you make it happen for yourself, but you made it happen for a bunch of other people as well. So how did, what was it like when you decided that you were going to create Wanderist? So I said it kind of like a joke, honestly. So I was hmm. telling my friend at work one day that she should apply for this, this program. I said, hey, I stumbled upon this program and... I know you really want to travel. I can't do it, but because um, they don't take people with kids. But you should totally apply. And I, I, I was reading the reading, you know, details from the website to her, and I was like, you know what? I should just do this myself. Like I'm, I'm so irritated that I can't go. I should just do this myself. And it was really just a fleeting passing, you know, like huh, I could do this comment, right? And for the next week, I just could not sleep. I would wake up at you know three and four in the morning and start jotting down notes. I still have the notebook. Jotting down notes, mm-hmm. jotting down notes. This was one, I'm going to throw some dates out there. They're probably not right, but the time frame is. This was a conversation I had on June 7th, and I think by June 14th, within seven days, I had bought a website. So that's how quickly it happened. Everything after that was kind of a blur just because I was so terrified <laughs> the entire time. I think I was like a deer in the headlights the entire time after that, um, that it's all kind of almost almost a blur. I, I still, to this day, don't know how um, I got from that conversation to to where I am now. And I tend to liken it to, I just focused on, you know, moving bricks. And then I, uh, one day I looked up and I built a house, you know? Wow. I, it, so it's funny to me that you, you bought the website, the web domain, and then that to you was kind of like you had committed at that point? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel like, like, I'm sure a lot of the listeners, I've bought like dozens of domain names in my life. <laughs> I've never done anything with most of them. That's funny. Yeah, that was my stake in the ground website. I must do this now. No one had seen this website. I, I don't know what it was. Now you're committed. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm no committed. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't force myself to go to the gym, but this website is it. Maybe I need to buy a website about going to the gym. 
Mm. Uh-oh. <laughs> it is, it is be the beginning of something. I mean, this you know what happened the last time that you joked about starting a business. I know, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that was that was kind of the catalyst. And it was more, um, you know, it, it was just one of those things that just, it wouldn't leave me alone. And buying the website was, you know, step one in a series of steps that got me um, more and more committed as I went along. So at first it was, I can't do this. But but I can buy a website. I can't do this. But but I can research cities. I can't do this. But I can like email somebody and ask them how much housing costs in this city, or you know, put together a flyer. Or I can create a web page. I, I just one page. It doesn't have to have you know embedded pages. So it just it, it was a series of steps like that. Like I can't do this big thing, but I can do this little thing right here. Um, and that just turned into something um, that you know was a a magic carpet that took us around the world for a year. Wow, that is gold. I mean, that is, <laughs> I mean, that's I'm actually writing about kind of a similar concept of just the idea that you know you can get intimidated if you have a big vision in your head, but you can do these small things, and those small things create momentum that then build into these these bigger things. So. You, you, so you were you were you said that you were scared during that time, and you obviously you could have just organized this trip for yourself. I, what kind of things were going on in your mind when you were thinking about making this possible for other people? Um, you know that I think that's where the fear came in, right? So I could have done this for myself, and it would not have been scary. Uh, I'm I'm decently adventurous, and I'm decently open to to ch- trying challenges, trying things, and challenges. Um, but when you, you bring other people into the mix, that's where you have the, um, you run the risk of letting people down of disappointing people of doing the, of not doing what people expect of you. Uh, and that is what made it scary. And it's not just about disappointing people. These folks are handing me a lot of money and their lives for the whole year. Right. And so it was very overwhelming trying to, trying to meet those expectations, um, and, and I, you're right. I could have done it for just me. But you put yourself in that position. I, I did that what, to me, what, right? What, what, what made that happen? I did that to me. I, listen, I, I think that's one of those things that it was like hindsight. It didn't, it literally did not occur to me that. So I actually have um, anxieties about disappointing people. Um, and it didn't occur to me until maybe day two on the trip. I was like, holy crap. I have anxieties about disappointing people. And I just put myself in a position where I could possibly disappoint 30 people every single day for a year. <laughs> what? Mm. What have I done? Um, but I I think that uh, it was important to me to open this up to other people because I know it just was, it's just, it's not just me. And uh, this is going to sound mushy, but <laughs> I believe in acts of love. And I feel like this is kind of an act of love where you know, I've, I've identified this, this life that I've been imagining since I was 19. And I've also identified the drive to go after it. I know I'm not the only person who had this, this dream, this, this desire. Um, what I have that they may not have had is the desire and the action to, I mean, the desire to, the, and the action to go after it. Right. And so I want to make it easy for some other folks who are just like me to not look up 10 years from now and be wondering what would have happened had they done it, right? So I'm going to just make it easy and open it up to other people and say, hey, you know, know, tap on your computer screen, tap on the window from the other side of your computer screen and say, hey, you remember that time you thought about traveling the world for a year? You remember that time you convinced yourself you were going to take a year off and just, you know, have an adult, a grown-up gap year? You can do that now. And so for me, I, I think it was just important to to just extend it to other people just because I know that I'm not the only one that had that desire. I just happened to be the person that took the action to do it. And years ago, I went through this exercise where we had to write a personal mission statement. Um, getting sappy again. <laughs> we had to write a personal I love, mission I statement. I love it. I'm soaking this up. <laughs> And the last line of my personal mission statement was, I will live my life as if it were meant to be enjoyed by myself and others. And this is part of my mission, right? 
I created a life where I could travel with my daughter and work for a whole year. I could continue to do that if I wanted to, but you know, my kid wants to play soccer in high school, whatnot. Um, but that's me enjoying it. But where are the others? Where are the others that are enjoying this experience? So it was important to me. It was, it was a personal mission to open that up to other people. I think that's why I appreciate it so much. It's such a generous thing uh, because, you know, I'm not like you. The first time that I traveled out of the country, I was very scared about it. I was scared about it numerous times traveling out of the country. It took a while before I, I wasn't scared mm-hmm. about it. And so, like, I came very close to to not traveling. I'm glad you and, did. Yeah, you know, I can't imagine what that would have been like if I didn't. And, you know, now I live in Medellin and I, I, I love the life that I have. Uh, and it, it, that's what makes me so happy about, uh, wait, Wanderist, <laughs> is that, uh, is, is that you're, you're making that easier for so many people. And I know there's got to be people out there who are like me that, one, if even if you're not scared, there's a lot of stuff to plan. It's very mm-hmm. easy to just put it off and not do it. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is you said it was very generous of me. And, and <laughs> I think anyone listening would be like, oh, they paid her. <laughs> They paid her to do that. Um, But the truth is, you know, you're one of any business. You know, it's really, really tough to break even. Um, So, yeah, there was a little bit of generosity there. And there was a sure, you know, people people I I, definitely was a business that I ran and I had customers. Um, The people that I extended it to were my customers. They are now my family. And a lot of my time. Um, a lot of a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of love went into making sure that this happened for this group. Um, and I'm very happy to say that I got the same from them. I got a lot of mm-hmm. time. I got a lot of advice. I got a lot of encouragement. I got a lot of support um, from from the group that that uh, traveled with us through the whole year. And even now, a lot of them are still helping out. Three of them are on our team now. So, um, oh wow, <laughs> that's ten. That's ten percent. <laughs> yeah, three of them are on the team now. Um, one of them just hit me up the other day and asked if she could help out with anything. So, you know, we we truly became a family by the end of it. And that first year, you went to Prague, you went to Chiang Mai, you went to Cape Town, South Africa, and then Panama City, Panama. Is that right? We actually decided not to go to Panama. Oh, okay. um, man, to that's a story. Is that- so, Came to Medellin instead. Wait, I want to so, hear the story about Panama now. Man, um, I don't want to talk bad about <laughs> Panama. I think Panama is a great city to go and visit for the experience that we were creating. I went to Panama the summer before we took off to go to Prague, just so I could, you know, take care of logistics, look around the city. It was our last location. So, you know, I had time to go ahead and figure out, you know, where were we going to stay in the city? What area, get a feel for the city. I landed in Panama and was like, nope. It just, it just did not fit into what we were looking for. Um, I'd love to go back there. But um, one of the issues were, one of the sm- very small things was they trade in, in U.S. dollars. So you can use U.S. dollars there. And these people, we all signed up for this so that we could have an experience that's, that's you know, very different than what we've been experiencing. And something just as small as trading in U.S. In US dollars puts us right back in the U.S., right? Um, the language is a little bit different there. I think that there is, I remember there being a lot of signs in English. Uh, a lot of people spoke English. A lot of people spoke English. Um, and folks on, that were traveling with us wanted to be forced to learn Spanish. Um, and the, and they didn't have uh, great public transportation. It was just, it, 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 it didn't feel like the right city compared to the cities that we were going to. I would love to do a one month in Panama and I plan to do that. Uh, but we went back to the drawing board and decided to research some more. And, uh, it had never occurred to me to go to Colombia. It wasn't even on the radar at all. And um, the more and more we researched, the more we realized that Colombia was just, uh, just based on all of the criteria that we used to pick the previous three uh, cities, Colombia, it just fits so perfectly. And I'm so glad we, end up, we ended up picking Colombia. It was one of my favorite cities. If people always ask me what my favorite city is, and I always give that pageant answer of, 
oh, I like them all equally <laughs> for different reasons. And and that, that is, is a true. hard I question do, to I, answer. I'm surprised people <laughs> even ask it. <laughs> oh my God, that is, the, that is the number one question I get asked. Which city did you like the most? And I'm like, well, I picked them. I liked all of them. <laughs> I truly do love all of the cities for different reasons. Um, Medellin may be the one I end up liking the most, um, surely because it was our last city and I had less work to do, right? I could relax a little bit more. Um, it was closer to the U.S., so I had a lot more people come and visit. So it ended up being the country that I liked the most or the city that I liked the most. Uh, but it fit in so perfectly. And it was like the perfect end- ending to to a great year. And you had certain criteria that you were using to analyze the different potential donation or <laughs> donation, what donation? The potential. <laughs> I wish. Am I, am I owed some donations? <laughs> the, the, the potential locations. It's a different Asian word. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so we started with safety obviously, because children were coming. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but we sponsored a single mom and her daughter to travel with us as well. So there were children coming along. So safety had to be, you know, the number one thing. Um, We also looked at the exchange rate and cost of living, right? So people are already paying for the program, paying for the experience. Um, We want their day-to-day costs to be pretty low because that comes out of their pocket, you know, what they eat, their groceries, um, you know, their transportation throughout the city, and any side trips they want to take. So we wanted to make sure that we're in places where um, the exchange rate was low and the cost of living was low. The next thing that we looked at was um, the amount of people that speak English. So we wanted there to be, you know, a good number of people that spoke English, but not too many. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to be in like this sweet spot where you're out of your comfort zone, but you are not losing your mind because you can't figure out where the milk is in the grocery store, right? Um, We also looked at places that had great public transportation because we wanted people to be able to kind of move about the city without spending a whole lot of money on things like Uber and and, uh, getting taxis and stuff like that. And then we also looked at uh, proximity to places that you wanted to go. So we did a feasibility study before I launched. So that was one of those small steps that I took. You are such a project manager. (laughs) I am a project manager. <laughs> so I know. Um, that was one, of, it was one of those small things that I did to kind of build up to accomplishing this. I can't do this big thing, but I can ask people, I can get people to fill out a survey and see what people are interested in. And the places that people picked that they want to live the most was places like Paris and Italy and fantastic Rome. places like that. Right. And then the number one thing that people said would make their decision about where they would live abroad was cost. And I was like, these two don't go together. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, no, if you if if if, if saving money, if, if getting the most bang for your buck is your most uh, is your highest priority, staying in Paris is not what you're trying to do. And so, how I translate that is, we need to be in places that are um, cost effective and, cl- and close in proximity to the places that people have always dreamed of going. Right. So, if you're in Prague, a round t- trip ticket to Rome may be sixty bucks. Um, I took my daughter to Paris for her 13th birthday, and that was a hundred dollars round trip. And so we wanted to be in places that were in close proximity and 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 easy to navigate for side trips because we're in every place for three months, right? And folks can pick up and just you know when we were in Medellin, folks went to Cartagena. Um, I believe somebody went to Ecuador while we were there. So that was one of the criteria. And then the other was just, you know, things that are going on in the city. Is it is this a good time of year to be in this city? Uh, is there a festival happening? So for instance, Pride was going on when we were in Prague. Um, the Lantern Festival was happening when we were in in Thailand. Uh, the, the Taste of South Africa was happening while we were there. And we actually just missed the Flower Festival when we were in Colombia. Mm. And so I, I guess I, I kind of wonder what you came up with as far as like safety in Colombia. I have, I have friends who have kids or they think about coming to Colombia like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's safe. And I kind of don't want to t- don't know what to tell them. I don't want to like put them, it, say that it's safe and have it not be safe. But you had, yeah. you know, a, a child coming along or there were kids on the trip and everything. It didn't turn out to be a problem for uh, for you. You didn't feel like Colombia was unsafe. Yeah, I. so I feel like Americans have this interesting view of what's safe or what's not. I literally just had this conversation. I was in an Uber with a young lady from Honduras 
and we were talking about Honduras and Colombia. And uh, she said, Honduras is más peligroso. It's very dangerous. Mm. And I was like, well what, well, what do you mean by that? Because my small town of Tallahassee <laughs> that I grew up in has been on the list of most dangerous cities in uh, the U.S., Thank- the 10 most dangerous cities in the U.S. like three or four times. But no one would ever ask me why I'm going to Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. No one, right? (laughs) No one says don't go to America because Chicago is is dangerous. That's where I lived for eight years, yeah. Right. No one tells you not to go to Chicago, right? And so it's so interesting in America where we have dangerous cities. We have dangerous pockets of cities. We have dangerous events happen all the time. But as soon as you say, I'm going to this country, and we may have heard two or three stories about that country. Oh, why are you going there? It's dangerous. The whole country's dangerous now? <laughs> Could you imagine if someone said, don't ever go to the U.S., 9-11 happened? Yeah. Right? Um, so Colombia is dangerous, just like Chicago. Chicago is dangerous. There are places in Medellin. There are areas of the city of Medellin that are dangerous. Do you live there? I do not. Okay, exactly. So that means that there are areas of the city that are not dangerous as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So (laughs) that's the way I look at it. And I usually tell parents, like, you know, one of the things that you can't do is buy into um, what the media is saying or what the news says, because their job is really to sell fear, right? That's, yeah. unfortunately, that's what we con- that's what we enjoy to consuming, fear and scandal. And so that's what they sell us. Um, the other thing is, add, add perspective to that. You know, if you live in New York, if you live in Chicago, if you live in Detroit or St. Louis or Miami, um, and and you realize that where you live is safe, where your kids go to school is safe, um, the areas that you shop in are safe, but there are areas of that city that are unsafe. Um, imagine that somewhere like Medellin is pretty much the same, right? Because people live there and, and children live there too. So <laughs> it, it can't be, it can't be um, as, as bad. A lot of places aren't as bad as it sounds. We're going to take a quick break. I'm very happy to report that Skillshare has renewed as a sponsor for Love Your Work. I know that there are so many listeners out there who are curious types like me and you never want to stop learning. So that's why Skillshare is perfect for all of you. Skillshare is an online learning community with over 17,000 classes in design, business, and more. You can learn everything from business analytics to social media marketing to street photography. So like, let's say you have a website and you want to get more traffic. Having rock solid SEO is a great way to do that. I've personally made a lot of money from ranking well on search engines. Skip the Netflix tonight and check out this awesome class from Rand Fishkin from Moz. It's called Introduction to SEO Tactics and Strategy for Entrepreneurs. With Skillshare, you get unlimited access to Rand's class and all the other classes for one low monthly price. You never have to pay per class again. Skillshare is giving my listeners a month of free access, absolutely free, Go to Skillshare.com slash loveyourwork to redeem your free month. Skillshare helps keep this podcast free. So please, if they interest you, go to Skillshare.com slash loveyourwork so that they know that I sent you. I'm really excited to have Readwise as a sponsor. You may have seen me rave about Readwise on Twitter. I didn't get paid for that, but now they're supporting the show. And what is it? Readwise is a daily email. People often ask me what email newsletters I read. The answer is almost none. Almost all of the reading that I do is of books that I buy. Now, the one email that I do read every day without fail is my email from Readwise. Readwise collects all of your highlights from your reading, whether from Kindle, iBooks, or highlights that you enter yourself. And each day, it sends several of those highlights to you. Sign up for Readwise today to retain more of your reading. Get more out of your reading investment for free. If you don't have a ton of highlights to start with, I've set up some of my favorite highlights, many from the books of guests you've heard on this show, Bernadette Jiwa, Mark Manson, and James Altucher, just to name a few. Sign up at readwise.io slash loveyourwork, and they'll send you some of my favorite highlights. Again, you have to sign up at this URL to get those highlights, and it will also let them know that you heard about it here. Readwise.io, that's read, R-E-A-D, wise, W-I-S-E, all one word, readwise.io slash loveyourwork. I will add to that, though, that also, I think it's also easy to, I guess, when people will come visit, they'll also be like, oh, I feel really safe here. And I guess I'd like to tell them that, like, well, you know, the difference between 1% and 3% 
is like 300%. Both, but in both cases, most of the time, nothing's happening. So you still have to be vigilant. And I think that also when you are mm-hmm. traveling, it's very easy to, you can almost have, there's like a bias in the other direction. When you come to a place like Colombia, then and maybe you were afraid that it was, that it was dangerous. Then you come and you realize nothing's happening to you. And you're like, oh, well, that means that it's, you know, completely safe, which you still have to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, we talk in our Wandering Moms group often about, you know, what are your safe, safety procedures when you're traveling with your child? What are the discussions that you have with your kids, you know, about being aware of their surroundings, um, understanding how to get back to um, home base, wherever that is. When we were in Prague, we had a conversation with my daughter and my friend's daughter, you know, what would you do if you got lost on the train? Because they rode the train by themselves quite often while we were in Prague. What would you do if you got lost? What would you do if we were together and and we got separated? And so you definitely want to be on alert. I feel that way about anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just, I like you said, sometimes you go on vacation or you travel and you realize that you're safe and you lower your inhibitions quite a bit, right? So you you're like, oh, okay, this is good. And and then people do things like, you know, leave their purses open. <laughs> and 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 right. And so you you definitely need to be on alert. I, I'd say, I'd say that for anywhere. But I also say, you know, if if the concern is whether or not a place is safe, I suggest always talking to someone that lives there now, right? Um, a local that lives there now. And 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 expats that live there now, because expats usually live in the areas that you would be in. And so a lot of the things that you hear about aren't happening in those areas. So um, then the reason why I say talk to a local that lives there now is because people that have expatriated from those countries years ago, like if you talk to someone in the U.S. from Colombia that left Colombia, you know, 20 years ago, they don't have a good experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Colombia was a very different country 20 years ago. Um and then on, on top of that, you know, their experience is very centered around wherever they lived. And more, more often than not, that's not where you as a visitor, as a traveler is going to spend your time either. So there's a little bit of perspective there. So I usually tell people to talk to a local that lives there now, which you can find those folks in any like digital nomad group or entrepreneurs group in that city. There's all kinds of Facebook groups for, for people in different cities. Um, and then talk to expats that are living there because they're going to be in the places that you I want to add to that. Yeah, just... Uh, echo that at Facebook groups are a gold mine. You can find an expat Facebook group of about any place that you might want to travel. Place. And it, it just use the search function. You don't even have to post. It is a gold mine. Man, listen, I, when we got to Thailand, I was in Chiang Mai digital nomads, Sh- women expats in Chiang Mai. I, I found Chiang Mai teens <laughs> Shang my moms, Shang my expat moms. Like it was, <laughs> I was in all the groups. Yeah. I was in all the groups. That's one of the first things I do. And I'd usually try to do it maybe a month to two weeks before I go. So that I already have some connections and I already have reached out to some people before I even get there. As far as like st- safety precautions, I know like there's been some things that I've picked up living in Colombia that now I do in the United States. So for example, one thing that I, I, I do not flag uh flag taxis off the street i always use a there's a taxi app called easy taxi that i use here and then if the taxi shows up and the plate doesn't match the app i get a different taxi i do the same thing in the united states i've had uber drivers show up the the plate doesn't match they tell you why it doesn't match they have a different car today or something but it's just it's just not worth the risk and when you tell Uber that the card dro- showed up with a different plate, they seem very, very concerned about that. So that's one little safety tip that I think is useful anywhere you go. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, yeah. so I've had that happen with an Uber driver once. Um, I think most people don't notice. They just see the car show up and they're not looking at the plate necessarily. Oh, oh no, I check ah. the tags because I'm not getting in somebody's car. That's Once you're in the car, like... And listen, my dad is not Liam Neeson. He does not have a special set of skills. He will not find you and he will not kill you. <laughs> I cannot get taken. <laughs> I cannot get taken. Um, but I used to flag taxis down often in the streets of Medellin. I was out here living reckless. Well, during the day, I like Parkageris. <laughs> uh, I would just say Parkageris on like a Friday night or Saturday night or Thursday night. Not 
I would not advise it. <laughs> uh, I don't want to uh, get into details of stories and scare everybody yeah. or like make the place sound bad or something. But um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, listen, it's, 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 there are certain things that you just don't do in every country. I mean, Prague is a very safe country. My daughter got her phone stolen out of her back pocket mm. on the train. Yeah. You know, stuff happens pretty much everywhere. And so, yeah, there are definitely some safety tips that some, some safety precautions that we took, um, that we learned, I guess, while we were traveling and that we have still incorporated. Um, one of the things is I've, I w- I've always been too comfortable leaving my things. Like you go to Starbucks and you're working. It's like, oh, I need to run to the restroom. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want to take my laptop with me, but you know, people get their, get stuff gets stolen. I don't care where you are. And so, um, you just, I take the laptop with me. Get, I'm, I'm the weird guy who has it, takes it under his yeah. arm into the bathroom and people are like, what's he doing? No, <laughs> I started doing that too. I started doing that too, because I think that we just get, we just get so comfortable and traveling abroad. It's like, I'm in an environment where I don't know people. I'm not saying that you're not trustworthy. I don't know y'all. So I'm going to take my laptop with me. And that kind of stuck with me. Um, when I came back to the U S the thing about checking the the taxi cab, um, I'm sorry, the Uber driver tags, that's a great one. Um, and the great thing about a lot of, um, so not every city in the U.S., the tags are on the front and back. Right. But most places abroad, the tags are on the front and back. I mean, heck, the taxis in in Medellin have their tag number like everywhere. It's on the front, the side, it's on the every top. panel actually <laughs> as well of, because like, they don't want like if the pieces yes. get stolen, they, they want to be able to track uh-huh. them down. Yeah, I noticed that too, sitting in a car one day. I was like, this taxi's number is everywhere inside this car. Um, But yeah, that's a great one. And my daughter would take Ubers by herself sometimes. So she had my Uber app on her phone. Mm -hmm. And she would take Ubers by herself. And I I would always screenshot (laughs) the Uber picture just in case she came up missing. I'm also curious (laughs) about, uh, here's, here's something that I get asked about a lot. I've had different friends who were thinking about traveling and either they are, uh, either they are pregnant or they are thinking about having children. And then they're like, well, what about the Zika virus? (laughs) I don't, I'm, I admittedly don't know anything on the radar would, yeah, would. And it's funny because I think that, you know, we were talking about the media. I think that in the American media, it's a big story. Like people are always asking me about the Zika virus and I've hardly ever heard a thing about it here. And so one of my friends, I didn't want to give her bad advice. So I kind of looked up the numbers and stuff and I, and I, and I saw like a, there was a study of the incidence of it and it was in Antioquia where Medellin is. The incidence was mm-hmm. 0.1 out of 100,000, which means it was literally one in a million, which means it was like three people in the entire city of Medellin and here people are not traveling because they're afraid of this thing. Now, other parts of the country, it was very high, but in the yeah. city of Medellin, no. And there's not that many mosquitoes no. here anyway. Well, and, and it makes sense, right? <laughs> and that's actually, it's actually interesting because Medellin is very, very um, green, right? So there's a lot of uh, plants, there's a lot of water, it's a, it's a wet climate. So you think tropical, you think, you know, bugs that can bite you equals Zika. And funny enough, I, you know, there's a part of me that feels like I did myself and my daughter a disservice by not learning more about the Zika, Zika virus. I don't, I honestly didn't do a, a whole lot of, planning around Zika virus. I just, if you were hanging out in Medellin if, most of the time, from what I've seen, the risk was not that high. Yeah. So my team did the research um, when, we cho- when we switched to Medellin. They did do research uh, on the Zika virus and gave the group the you know, thumbs up that you know, that's not something that we have to worry about in that area. Um, that's the extent of my research on the Zika virus. Hey team, is this an issue? No? Okay, we're San Andres, good. <laughs> San Andres, it was high. It was like... A thirteen hundred out of a hundred thousand, which is roughly like more than oh, one wow. out of a hundred, so it's relatively high. Which is a shame because San Andres is a wonderful place to visit. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, Medellin, uh, there's not a lot of mosquitoes to begin with. The altitude is pretty high, and right. uh, yeah, it's not. And it's just interesting to, like you were saying, the media kind of sells fear, and it kind of makes you think like. Oh, I wonder if this like helps keep the U.S. dollar stable or, or something. You can come up with all right. sorts of <laughs> motivations for why. 
Or maybe Medellin came up with it to keep us out. Hmm. That would be a good strategy. And I... <laughs> Stay home. Stay home, In people. some ways, I approve of that strategy. <laughs> Hilarious. So who was going on yeah, this no. trip? Were, were some of these people, did they have uh, full-time jobs or were they freelancers or were they just kind of taking a year off? Yeah. So it was kind of everybody. So you had folks who had convinced their jobs to let them work remotely. Um, we had about four or five people that did that. Um, yeah. And then we had the people that got a remote job in order to take this trip. Then we also had folks who were starting their businesses or their freelance or starting a freelance career. So someone was building an app. Someone else was building a career as a, um, a marketing strategist. Um, a digital marketing strategist, someone else built a career as a uh, technology consultant. Um, and then you had people that were out here chilling. <laughs> so we had a huge range of folks. So um, one one young lady uh, who is retirement age, she actually retired and sold her house. So she came along on the trip and was hanging out. She started, um, she was working on starting a business while we were out there. Wait, um, but really, she, she was, said one young lady was retirement age. Yeah. Yeah. She was 62. Okay. And she was fantastic. She was like the coolest person on the entire trip. If you ask anybody who was the coolest person on the trip, she is it. And it's not, it's not one of those things like it's a novelty because she's older. No, she is legitimately the coolest person I have ever met. She was clearly the coolest person I ever met when she was 35 also. Like, (laughs) so we had people that were kind of just, we had another young lady who was just taking a break. Like she just needed a break. Um, so, so there were a few people that took grown-up gap years. Um, one young lady was retired from the military. And, you know, you can retire from the military really early. Um, you know, people retire from the military in their 30s. So she was on the trip as well. So we had a few people that were really just kind of out here enjoying themselves. Someone quit their job while they were on the trip. <laughs> oh, wow. Then what did they do? They were like, eh. I think I just want to take a gap year. <laughs> so oh, while they were on the trip, they quit their job. Um, but we did have people that were kind of doing all kinds of different things. And it created a really great environment because we got to collaborate a lot about, you know, what we wanted to work on. One of the people um, that wanted, that was building an app, no, she originally was just going to take a, a grown-up gap year. That's all she was going to do. And one night we were all talking about things that, you know, we want to do, ideas that we've had for businesses. And she mentioned an idea for an app that helps um, employees, candidates for jobs, um, really analyze their total uh, compensation package. So, you know, you get offered a salary, you get offered bonuses, you get offered benefits. And she wanted to be able to kind of wrap that up. And so they understand what the total compensation offering is to them so they can make great decisions about, about comparing job offers. And she mentioned this to somebody. And next thing you know, like the group is completely strategically planning this for her. And she ended up working on building this app. She wanted to take a a gap year. She wanted to take a year of leisure and she ended up building an app (laughs) because of uh, some of the conversations and collaboration sessions we've had with the group. This made me think about something. I was having a conversation with somebody a few weeks ago about this and how this, this sort of, I don't know, digital nomad lifestyle is kind of exploding and stuff. And it, 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 this sort of popped out to me that that I think that in the future, it's quite possible that a lot of companies in order to compete for the top talent might have to have one have as one of their options, uh, provide uh, sort of this mini life, remote life for a month or two months. We'll set you set up your kids with education. We'll set you up with housing. We'll set you up with these various things and make it easy for you to work remote in this other location for a couple of months. It's one of our perks type of things. And uh, I don't know, people like you would, would be perfect for, for organizing and providing that type of service. Is that anything that you saw as a sign with, say, maybe some of these full-time employees that you had coming? Um, so did you like sneak and read my strategic plan for the next three years or, or what? Oh, no, I didn't. But... I feel like you did. So that is exactly how I see things happening. I submitted a proposal to South by Southwest to talk about that very thing. I talk, I wanted oh, wow. to talk about the future of work and how companies can boost morale, can improve uh, retention, um, by offering these types of experiences for their customers or for their employees. Um, and so that is where I see the future of this going. I see, you know, m- 
companies like mine, not just advertising to a consumer base, but reaching out to, you know, your Googles, your Facebooks, your, you know, any company and saying, hey, have you thought about... How much of like, how much of like the, the, uh, the scooters and the free chef and all that stuff that they have on the campuses of those stuff, like at a certain point, it's not necessarily enough to keep the top talent. Right. Because what happens though, is at some point that becomes the day-to-day routine, right? That, that, that replaced. Right. There was the day to day traditional job that people had where you go to work, you go home. Um, and then Google came up and was like, hey, I'm going to give you this cool workspace. But at some point that becomes the day to day traditional job. And so people want more and people want to experience more. And, and and I think that it's great that there are so many companies that are kind of catering to the way we work, the environments um, like, you know, maybe I would ra- rather work on a couch or maybe I want to work, you know, these hours. And I think the natural progression is, you know, where I want to work, what 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 I want to see when I wake up in the morning. I want to be able to look at the Andes Mountains and sip some Colombian coffee while I do these TPS reports. Right. And so I think that that truly is <laughs> I think that that truly is the future of work. And um, I am fingers crossed, possibly still delivering that talk at South by Southwest. We will see. Um, but in either That's case, awesome. I, let us know I if you need us to vote for your talk. Thank you. I definitely um, foresee uh, us making attempts to kind of um, bring companies into this this era of thinking. It's not just about you know providing your your employees with the the wonderful perks of things like bringing your dog to the office. I think that's amazing. But you know, on a grander scale, you know, let's 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 boost morale in a different way. Let's give these people what they've dreamed about while they're working. Because here's one of the things and. I know this is a long response. I apologize. But I feel like millennials have gotten this bad rep that they just are flighty and 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 um, what is the word? They they uh, feel like entitled. That's the the word. word. They are flighty and entitled and they feel like they should just be able to live their lives as, you know, Instagram travelers. And. (laughs) Wow, that may be somewhat true. What I think what we're missing is, I think we're missing the fact that millennials have invested in um, living life on their terms. Most of the millennials I work with, and I'm kind of in that mid space between Generation X and, and Millennial. I'm like, I think they call Zennial. us Yeah, we're Zennials, right? So we're X Men. Um, so <laughs> I I I believe that they want to do meaningful work. They want to work hard. They're smart folks. Um, and they love using their skills to drive change and push execution and, and disrupt, right? I think that they're smart, hardworking people. I just think they want to be smart, hardworking people on their own terms. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think they're being frowned upon by, you know, your Generation X and your baby boomers because that's just not the way they lived, right? They conformed quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was just talking about this with a a listener that I was having coffee with the other day that, you know, a a new generation comes along and the old generation tends to want to see that generation (laughs) living. Well, they want to see that generation living by the same, uh, like there's always certain restrictions and freedoms that come along with being in any particular generation. Mm -hmm. And then so when those restrictions and freedoms are, are different and the older generation is kind of set in their ways, they haven't seen that yet they're not living by those those boundaries or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Then it starts to look it starts to look bad. The the the, the younger generation, right? And and I believe that's truly how they got this this they we I, I can say we I'm kind of in there. You know, I've got one foot in that in that generation also. Um, that you know we have this this sense of entitlement and this sense of fightiness. And I don't think I don't think that's it at all. I think it's just that we can have both. We believe we can have both and we know we can have both and we make investments. You know, people now make make decisions on what job to take based on, is it truly something I want to do with my life? Not just, can I make this money? It's, does this fit into my life the way I see my life? And I think that that's incredible, honestly. Well, I'm so I'm so excited about this idea of you providing this as like a service to companies because... You you already see it in action. There's already companies that provide, say, a paid sabbatical every however many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, why, if you're funding a sabbatical for an employee to go off and explore something and not do any work for you for however long that is, seven weeks or whatever, why not 
invest that money in in having an employee that's still productive, perhaps more productive, perhaps less, <laughs> uh, but is having this great experience thanks to you. Right. Absolutely. So that's 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 so exciting. I didn't see your strategic plan. Did you post it online? No, I think you got it. I think you might have gotten to my email. Somebody sent it to you. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I feel like. But now that you are now that you have read it <laughs> and you're on board, I say you just come on the road with me, spreading the gospel about this. <laughs> that sounds that sounds very cool. <laughs> well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to chat today. Um, and I just want to remind our listeners, because I would love to see some of them come through Medellin, that they have two opportunities to come through Medellin with you, right? They can come on the whole Wander year, mm-hmm. or there's the, uh, I can't remember what it's called now. I, that's it. That's what it's called. It's called the Wander year. Um, oh, the second one, the one months are called Uproots. Yes. Ah, the Uproots yep. too. So there's a couple opportunities and they can go, where can they go do that? Um, it's The website is wanderestlife.com. And I'm going to spell that. W-A-N as in Nancy, D as in dog, E-R-I-S as in Sam, T as in Tom, life, wanderistlife.com. Wanderist life. There's no funny L-Y-F-E nope. or anything mm-hmm. like that. No. So it's easy to spell. <laughs> um, yeah. And actually, do you have any final messages to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about today as far as, I guess, I just love your story too of making something that, uh, that, <laughs> creates the life that you want. Do you have any final messages for uh, this? Oh man. It's like, uh, okay, let's see. Final word. Uh, <laughs> I, a couple of themes that we, I think we talked about were one roadblocks, whether that be kids, whether that be fear, whether that be being told no, um, they don't, they exist, but there's a way around them. Right. So it's really a matter of finding a creative solution that fits what you want. Um, a lot of a lot of times, it's really just about whether or not what you desire is bigger than what's keeping you from it, right? So, w- which one are you mm-hmm. going to let win? Um, and then the other thing that we talked about, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, is being afraid and overwhelmed by this big thing that you want to do. Um, and at the end of the day, it does not. It it it, it is a big thing, and you should always uh, look up and see that big thing down in the horizon. But what you have to focus on is those little steps that you have to take to get there. So you know, watch your feet. Put your right foot in front of your left, then put your left foot in front of that one, and then put your right foot in front of that one, and just keep doing that. And then you look up and you're right in front of it. And so um, one of the things that I always encourage people to do is not get so afraid by that big thing down the street. Um, that you feel like you can't get there. You can walk, you can take one step and then you can take another. Focus on those things, focus on what you can do. And then you'll look up and you'll be like, oh my God, I made it, I'm here. So I I think that's what I'd leave with. Just, you know, one step at a time. That's fantastic. This has been great, Libria. All of our listeners go to my wander. (laughs) You can go there actually. It will route you (laughs) to Wanderous Life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wanderuslife.com you can go to my wander year if you want com. to feel free to go to my wander year also you will still get there either way <laughs> great Libria thank you so much yeah, thank you I really appreciate it it was fun talking with you I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Libria Jones and I hope you'll join the Wanderous team on one of their excursions through Medellin check out wanderuslife.com for details And even though Libria won't seem to admit it, I still think it was a generous act for her to put together a trip to make it easier for others to travel. For more on using generosity for motivation, check out Seth Godin on episode 77. The number of times you need to be told by someone you trust and respect you're going to be fine is too high to even ask for it. For me, the alternative is generosity. That that is an excellent antidote to fear. That if you are doing this on behalf of someone you care about, the fear takes a backseat. Again, Seth Godin is on episode 77. If you're still looking for the courage to take a big trip, listen to Paul Bennett on episode 15. He and his wife sailed around the world while running their business with kids. I would say the biggest hurdles are more psychological. Um, our own psychology and the psychology of our family and, and friends. You know, most people don't do this. Getting over those hurdles, that's a process. Again, Paul Bennett is on episode 15. Is Love Your Work helping inspire you to pursue the life and work that you love? If so, I could really use your help. This show takes work and it takes money to make. 
to keep making this show and to keep it free for everyone, it needs your support. Besides subscribing and reviewing the show, there's one big thing you can do to help, and that is to donate. I work to make this show nourishing and thoughtful in an economy that's all about grabbing attention. This is not the short route to success. If you believe in Love Your Work's message of living a balanced life and finding fulfilling work, please join Love Your Work Elite, hosted on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that lets you support creators like me, vote with your dollars, and keep Love Your Work going. You're going to get bonus content and a discount on Love Your Work merchandise. Learn more at lywelite.com. That's lywelite.com. Love Your Work is brought to you in part by top Love Your Work Elite members, such as Arif Akhtar. This has been Love Your Work, and I'm David Cadavy. The theme music for this show is At Sea by Dorena from the album About Everything and More by arrangement with Deep Elm Records at deepelm.com. Love Your Work is a production of Cadavy, Inc. <laughs>